You cannot know about Austin Powers. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> I like the idea that the Germans just have never heard of Austin Powers. It's been kept from them. It's like an incredibly <laughs> offensive film to them for some reason. <laughs> you do I'm not put pot roast in front That's of boobs. Why. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Or that. What is with his mojo? I do not get why he's so upset about his mojo. We have mojo for days over here. I try. I got through 15 minutes, and then they make fun of penis pumps. And I said, you know what? If you're going to be like that, just don't be on. You know, plenty of us were frozen, and we don't complain about it. Oh, big deal. You freeze for a while. You take a big pee, okay? Enlarge your penis. Get over it. <laughs> Can we start the episode this way? <laughs> As a group of Germans just <laughs> talking about how offensive Austin Powers is. Yeah, all right. Yeah, we're yeah, bound to right. get us more listens. We're going to find out if this is why they hate us. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Hmm, that man would make a wonderful ogre. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if he was like large and he had like a swamp and like a donkey friend. That oh I would watch. Oh my god, I would love it. No, that I would watch. <laughs> I, I don't know. It sounds too spooky to be real. You're right. They should animate it. <laughs> it sounds too spooky to be real. <laughs> no, I saw an ogre yesterday. <laughs> Trust me, Hans. <laughs> Trust me, Hans. Ogres are not that scary in real life. <laughs> they are just longing to be understood. <laughs> Ogres, you see, Hans, they are like onions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> and kings and queens should be portrayed as short and impotent. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I like, oh, that's yes. Good. Oh, yes. yeah. Can we get the Hans. guy from Third Rock from the Sun? <laughs> <laughs> Is he available? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hans, I'm so glad we took this English class. <laughs> <laughs> That's the English class. Shrek. Austin Powers and Shrek. They learn how to talk about it in English. <laughs> <laughs> He has to get these fairy tale monsters out of his swamp. <laughs> but who on earth would love an ogre like him? Oh my god. <laughs> Have you seen there's something about Mary? <laughs> Imagine if she could be like an ogre too, but like not all the time. <laughs> yes, I like. Oh, I like that. Mm, it sounds like a wonderful lesson fucks about a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's a smash mouth. Just for, <laughs> to smash <laughs> Well, now I'm yeah, sold. <laughs> this is really making my dreams work. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Super Best Friends Music Show, Podcast Show. Uh, I am Dana. I'm here with my co-hosts, Alan and Joe. hey Hello. And uh, this week we are talking about um, the Red Hot Chili Peppers' uh, seminal classic, Californication. 
Yes, finally. Uh, finally. Move over, Bach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, just kidding, though. We are actually talking about Larry Spiegel. It's not nearly as hot, but it's fine. Uh, Larry Spiegel's The Expanding Universe, which, um, for those not familiar with Larry Spiegel, she is a, widely regarded as a pioneer of um, electronic music, uh, minimal music uh, in New York City in like the 70s. She was first and foremost um, a mad scientist, hmm. woman hellbent on um, building beautiful music out of algorithms and really redefining uh, what people considered music at the time. Um, so this kind of coincides with um, the release of a, a, a documentary that we all watched called Sisters with Transistors um, that just was released uh, last week. I'm going to look it up real quick because I meant to take oh, some Oh, was that notes. recent? Yeah. Like, I think it, it, it premiered at a film festival. January um, 6th. Oh, Jan yeah, initial release January 9th, 2021 in Portugal. January 9th. I can't. <laughs> that's okay let's see um we were able to stream it uh, through this uh website called metrograph um which i think is their u.s distributor yes yeah because that was the only way that you could watch yeah. it um, unless but you're in somewhere like portugal germany oh Oh, oh okay. can't believe you didn't. No one else went right to Germany. <laughs> I was like, but behave. <laughs> oh, behave. <laughs> oh, behave. Shag um, me. <laughs> but Sisters with Transistors um, just was released in earlier this year, um, but it's now just getting a wide release or wider availability online for streaming anyway. And it's basically about the history of. Um, female pioneers in, in synthesizer music and tape music, electronic music. Um, basically, it's just a bunch of bad bitches who were kind of, you know, excluded from the the boys club that was, you know, uh, music at the time. And it was just like, fuck it, we'll just build our own thing. And um, made some really, really incredible stuff. Uh, Laurie Spiegel is featured heavily in the movie. Uh, and definitely somebody who earns that, that title as a pioneer of synthesizer music. Um, so what was your relationship, you guys, uh, with the record before I made us all listen to it? I had never heard of her or the record or music. <laughs> <laughs> First time for everything. Alan has just woken up after being frozen for... <laughs> I was cryogenically frozen after the last episode. <laughs> I met this one guy, Beethoven, and I said, what are you doing over there? He said, nothing, and then I woke up here. Um, Alan, Beethoven was the first guy to make music, right? Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. My, how is my mojo? Yeah. It seems kind of Now that I've just that. gone out of being cryogenically frozen, if I remember correctly, it's pretty randy, baby. <laughs> <laughs> We're making it impossible to cut any of these Austin Powers <laughs> references. We're just screwing Alan over later. Yeah, hey. yeah. I'm just not gonna screw me. I'm just gonna leave it all in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. I don't have any respect from the public. <laughs> That's a great point. 
Um, what about point. what about you, Joe? Had you ever? I had. I was not Irish familiar, people? and I. I think this was probably similar to, uh, your relationship to punk last week. Is I. Electronic music has long been a wall for me that I could not get over. Like I think I just don't like beeps and boops, and I like they talk about it in the movie that like a criticism has long been that it feels like some people will characterize it as soulless and I bought into that for a long time and have yeah. been very slowly learning that that's not like I think I think it was um it was not obvious to me what was actually like happening I think the movie really helped explain like what they were actually doing to make the music and that helps mm me connect yeah. with it on some level and uh arthur russell actually like i said like i only really just started getting into more ambient music this year this past year so i think that he helped me start embracing it and then like uh hip-hop like producers like flying lotus like so this has been a slow slow thing for me to embrace electronic music as a very legitimate art form. <laughs> <laughs> As worthy of the listen. I did, like, listen to some electronic music already. I, w I, I joked I haven't heard music. When Joe said that, I was like, oh, and I don't want people to think I'm also, like, a square like Joe, and I only think, you know, my dad's the only guy that makes music, which Joe says a lot. <laughs> I, yeah, I started this that. podcast. <laughs> I have true. to cut that out all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Every episode That's I say, I, yeah, heard well, this one? Uh, you, if you left it in, I wouldn't say it as much. <laughs> <laughs> but what was, I meant to text you this earlier, Dana, so I wouldn't have to do this during the show. But do you remember there was a CD that came out when we all worked together? Um, and I know Sean would know it. It's where it's, it was just like a CD case where you plug it in on one side and it played a circuit. Yes. That would just keep playing one long song. Oh, man. Who release that i'm it's on this giant wall of cds right here um for sure but i can't remember but that was like a big uh that was when like as he was showing me Sorry, that uh, uh is that what it's called i thought it was like a yeah. i thought it was called one note symphony but it was not that hmm. one something i don't know it's no, somewhere it's one of the it. few cds i've kept oh wow cool um but it was just like a small circuit board on like inside of a jewel case that you just plug into and turn on and it would just play this like long loop of electronic music. And that was like the first kind of I think the closest I've came to music like this. Yeah, because like the, it, there's definitely a difference between like, you know, like all genres, I guess, like there's, you know, different niches within it. Like if you say, you know, electronic music, like you could be talking about, you know, Brian Eno, or you could be talking about Bass Nectar. There's a lot of, you know, yeah. stuff in between there. And, like, I, I yeah. Go ahead. Electronica. Yeah, I think I blame, like, dubstep and EDM for my distaste because I went to school with a lot of, like, tech people, and they would, like, like have coding <laughs> sessions when they just blast like Skrillex and I was like oh I hate everything about this so I the thought, I the thought of Young Joe being like electronic music has no soul blast that Aquabats I <laughs> did love the Aquabats they are a soul they are committed but you know they love Devo so I don't know 
I, I don't I don't know. I, I don't know. I think I just had bad ideas because of, like, yeah, like, Skrillex. And then, like, 80s synths I don't like the sound of, like, like in, like, oh, pop music. Like, I think of, like, Dreamweavers, really? like, <laughs> my idea of, like, <laughs> synths. Like, oh, I don't like this. But I... There's so, yeah. There's, there's so, much so much more much... than that. Right. Like, like anything. And, like, my, like, predisposition weirdness with punk. It's, like, there's so much within there. And, like, maybe we just got, like, an ugly taste of it from you know, bros in the computer lab or whatever. The cream doesn't always rise to the top. Sometimes it's just a squeaky wheel squeaking louder. Yeah, like all of the all of the people in this documentary I had never heard of. With like I guess until like this year I heard of Pauline Oliveros. But other than that, like I didn't know most of them. It's like, oh, this is bananas. Like these are innovators. (laughs) I didn't know any of them and they were all introduced like a Quentin Tarantino movie. (laughs) I really like that. It was all like one, like a cool one line tagline about the person. Then their name would just pop up. So that was very, unfortunately eye opening. I'm just like, Oh, there's so much that we don't like the idea of the cream, not rising. It's just like, Oh, there's like all these really talented people that just never quite got their due. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And in this case, like, I feel like, you know, there, it is, you know, while it's like, it, Laurie Spiegel anyway, like this music, I don't think, some of it is like really like sort of poppy and catchy and you can kind of like, I don't know, you can, I think about like riding my bike to it and then like some of it is just like music that you would just like stare at the ceiling and like close your eyes maybe and, and sort of get lost in. Like there's, you know, there it, it, there's a lot of, of depth even uh, within just the album, um, but the the women featured in the Sisters with Transistors movie, which I'm just going to name a couple, uh, Clara Rockmore, who is an innovator in, um, uh, what do you call that? The theremin. What's that? Theremin, thank you. I could not remember the name of the instrument. The theremin. Uh, Clara Rockmore, mm. Delia Derbyshire, Daphne Orem, uh, Elaine Radique, Radique, Eliane Radique, that's how you pronounce it. Um, Suzanne Ciani, uh, Pauline Oliveros, and, and of course our girl Lori Spiegel and Wendy Carlos. Um, but even like though this is like, you know, you watch it now and especially through the lens of like having the, the documentary and you see like exactly, you know, what goes into making these bleeps and bloops, like the amount of like artistic and and musical um sort of thinking outside the box that goes into like basically creating in a lot of cases these instruments and and this technology to make these bleeps and bloops that that you want to push for there's a lot that's kind of lost when you just listen to it without having that context because in a lot of cases like you know if you if it's just they don't it doesn't have always have the same warmth as like a guy with a guitar because you know what a guy with a guitar sounds like you are a guy with a guitar we're all a guy with a guitar but you know we don't all program synthesizers and like you know use electronics in that way to like sort of make these sounds so like I, I can't blame anybody for being like predisposed to like, oh, this is like a non-human form of music. And I am definitely, I was guilty of that myself as somebody, you know, who like loves uh, the Beach Boys and the Grateful Dead. Like when I was younger, I was like, you know, this electronic music is not for me. It's soulless. It like takes 
the the soul out of the music because it, it puts it into a computer. But there's a really great quote um, from Laurie Spiegel, and I think it's in one of her uh, interviews with this company called Wave Shaper. Um, and they do like a lot of interviews with like electronic uh, music pioneers and that sort of thing. But she says something to the effect of, uh, no other species on Earth has utilized electricity the same way that humans have. So inherently, like electronic music is like the, of an incredibly human form of mu- making music because there, no other, I mean, a bird could, could never uh, make, you know, a synthesizer hum and, and build like an algorithm out to like produce a song. And it's like, Fuck the time, birds. So fuck birds. Is what but I'm I've saying. seen a bird play a guitar. So how fucking <laughs> special are you? <laughs> exactly. Um, you know what he played? What? Free bird. No. I'll, I'll cut that out. Please don't. Should we pick a better song? You know what he played? <laughs> free bird. <laughs> bird song? People equal shit. <laughs> <laughs> That I would like to see. I would pay to see that. Slip bird. <laughs> Slip bird. He had like the little spiky mask on. He's like a cardinal or something. <laughs> wow. We need to somehow, like, we need to start some kind of GoFundMe to get this. I want. I bird want. Bird trained. <laughs> yes, to get a bird trained. <laughs> We are halfway to our $100,000 goal of trying to be able to educate a cardinal to play people equal shit. Um, On a seven-string bass. (laughs) Please donate whatever you can to support our endeavor. Um, But I I just, I really liked that, uh, you know, even though it's like inherently like maybe not as warm as like somebody singing a ballad on, with a guitar you know it is there is something that's like inherently human about the fact that only humans could have done this and it's also like at a time you know this was in the, the music for the expanding universe um Laurie Spiegel played and recorded um at her time working at Bell Laboratories in the 70s um so it's a, it's a sort of like a compilation of uh, her musical career and development over the period of time in the 70s, which is like, at that time, they were like developing a lot of this technology, right? So they, and, and the computers were, this is, you know, at a time when the computers were the size of a room and, and nobody had them before except for, and Laurie Spiegel mentions this quite a bit in her interviews, is like, the people that had computers were like faceless corporations that were like just trying to sell you something or whatever, like the you know telephone company or whatever. They they would have a computer. The government had computers. Like we didn't have computers, but they the nature of her experimentation and and a lot of these women in this the film Sisters with Transistors is like they were taking that this new technology and they were finding a way to like turn it into something beautiful they were turning turning it into art for the first time in a lot of cases um so she uh laurie spiegel i guess i should say she was somebody who 
you know, it was like, it, she was a visual artist first and she used this new technology to just sort of like expand on her universe. And that's like a theme that, you know, Oh, nice. Wow, I went there. Yeah, you like that? <laughs> that was wow. sick. Um, <laughs> that's like, that's very much a theme in the whole. <laughs> All right, I'll let you guys. <laughs> We really need a soundboard. God dang. Um, no, no, that's okay. That's why you guys are here. <laughs> it's intended as a compliment. <laughs> to my um, nod back at the title of the record, which I hope we mentioned. I've mentioned Blurry Spiegel. You did, you did. At this point. Okay, good, good. Um, but yeah, that's totally a theme here of, of say the, the Say the album title again. The Expanding Universe. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about Laurie Spiegel herself. She was born in Ch- Chicago in 1945. Um, she actually learned music first and foremost on the banjos. She was a banjo huh. player. Um, and mandolin and guitar, like, you know, she was the guy with the guitar before she was building these algorithms or whatever. So that's, she learned. Uh, 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 what? <laughs> <laughs> Crazy, right? Oh, uh, huh? So she was, she loved folk songs. She was a folk singer and that's, that's kind of where she like started. And there's a lot of nods back to that in her music uh, that, that came after that, you know, after she became Laurie Spiegel, the electronic music pioneer, she still would pay homage and, um, you know, acknowledge her sort of yeah. roots as On a the, like, folk extended artist. extended version, there's, like, a lot more obvious nods to the Yeah, folk. totally. There's, like, a yes. four-song suite called, like, Appalachian Grove. Appalachian Grove, and then I think there's one that's just called, like, Folk Song or something, like... You and think she, that's like related to how like a lot of electronic music isn't as like structured as like rock and blues stuff, whereas like folk tends to be that same kind of like wandering like huh. parts and that. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I I think so. There's an, uh, less rules because they're yeah. you know, like if you, rock songs are pretty damn structured, even you know, maybe not jazz so much, but rock and blues like they all sort of follow a structure. Folk songs, you know. They are. They were before like uh, there was like a, a market for music, and that's why they're you know. And I think they're also like not necessarily like like that was something that struck with me from the movie, like the lack of notation. Like there, it's more about playing and figuring out the notation, getting the sounds you want, as opposed to working playing within an existing note yeah. structure and right, i see that right. connection a lot with like folk music and well this. that's yeah that's a great point and actually in an, an interview that i read she's like you know you would be surprised at like the the similarities between when you're playing a banjo and like you just happen two notes happen to resonate a certain way and you get a different huh. something whereas that's like what she was also trying to do with you know, while building these programs that that she composed um, the expanding universe on, it's like it was more interesting to her the sounds of the notes like coming together and forming, versus just like C note, D note, and and you know the normal sort of uh, notation that that music was structured on. 
Um, so th- she like considers her music folk music, which huh. is like such a hot take, right? Mm-mm. Such a hot take um, because of what I had mentioned earlier, like computers and you know using electricity is something that only humans have done to make art. So it's like, yeah, I guess that's I've never thought of it that way. But I like it. I like how she's she's thinking of it. And I would, I don't know. It's so like, it's so far like the opposite of like what I think of folk music as. But like she's not wrong. I yeah, but guess. only like the top layer of folk music. Right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's like punk music. Yeah. It's like fair. it's not the sound. It's the feel and the purpose. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Damn yeah. dog. It's fucking art. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I I think that it's so stupid, but that really helped me get over my like hump was just like thinking of it as art first and then like art that happens to be with sound. And yeah. that really stupidly made a difference of like, okay, let me just appreciate it like well, I would like a it feels like abstract art to me. Yeah, I but used that's to not hate. the way music's presented to you in the general nature though. So it's like Yeah. Like we're we people Quick get him a penis pump, he's flatlining. <laughs> behave, 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 behave. Uh, <laughs> oh man, what was it? I am I'm hot now too. Um <laughs> <laughs> oh, Randy, baby. This what? is another super best friends music show after dark. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're all I just, Randy. <laughs> I did just wake up before we started recording, too. I Whoa. fell asleep watching a movie. What movie? Um, well, when watching, I was watching The Stand, the old miniseries. I watched part one. Oh, yeah, okay. Is that the one with just, Rob Lowe? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, watched the old, I watched the new miniseries, and then I read the book, and now I'm watching the old one. <laughs> I like the book. I haven't watched any of the things. Um, Isn't it like a giant book? It's yeah. Like yeah. Thing. No, I, it's, but, oh man, it's an incredible book. And now I'm like insulted by how shallow the series is, are. The series are. <laughs> it's like, it's an incredible, incredible book. Um, but what, where, what on earth was the point I was even going to make before I? I, 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 I think the uh, infor- okay. the annoying thing is it was probably a good point too. Yeah, the the way you were saying it that, like it was really going somewhere. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it was, uh, Joe. You were saying that uh, art, once you art. started looking at music as art and not sounds, then it like started to really click for you. But the way most people hear music for the first time and discover new music is like the radio and other commercial outlets that are only going to like keep it in that mindset of like a commercial beat or something like that before expression and art right right and like there's also like a very like sort of punk nature to a lot of this music like especially you know in the early 70s at a time where it like wasn't even music mm-hmm. like they, you know I'm sure you guys saw this in the documentary. There is a, they were composing, there was like this team of like electronic composers that was building music for like some sort of like space show or something. Mm. And what it, they didn't call them musicians and uh, they didn't call them composers. Called them tonalities. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the tonalities producers or whatever. I had no like, idea that's what was on like Forbidden Planet. 
Yeah, right. Right, right. And Doctor yeah. Who. That was weird. Yeah, and you know, and then when they started when they started playing like the Doctor Who theme, and then when they really got into the commercials, that's when I was like, Oh my god, that's what this fucking sound is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it just blew my mind. But like yeah, like like, like what you're saying, Dave, like they were like the original like noise artists, like before yeah. What, yeah. like before Garage Rock even. Like it's in the fifties. Mm-hmm. So like Pauline Oliveros was just like making like wall of sound <laughs> guttural accordion noises <laughs> like <laughs> so totally yeah and being like what can like what happens when we just have people listen to this like it you know it's super punk rock it's like you know fuck and a lot of these women are like you know they're trained they're classically trained but they're like well what happens if we just say fuck that and like try something else like let's slow it down so much that like you know it's dragged out over like an hour and like a lot of this music was like Pauline Oliveros and Laurie Spiegel too and you know a lot of the other women here uh Elaine Eliane Radig uh I'm gonna keep calling her Elaine um it's like it's music that is like very very slow changing over like a long period of time so like there's like there's an element of avant-garde to it all too so it's like, you know, you really do have to kind of be in the space of, like, appreciating it as, like, an art. Exploration. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Exactly. And, like, like and... Go ahead, Jeff. Oh, sorry. If I... Because, like, I have, like, a psych background, and so it's... um. A lot of it is, like, looking at... you, Like, the thing is just a stimulus, and it doesn't get meaning until it's filtered through like your brain and your perception of that stimulus so they're like the idea of like no you have to actually sit with it and see how it makes you feel and it's about the experience of listening as opposed to just what you're actually listening to like kind of like getting this more like listener focused approach as opposed to like the, the the stimulus is what you're supposed to care about as opposed to the feeling and perception of that stimulus was like right right really cool yeah and something to remember too like you know this was at a time where like they people were sort of like just starting to kind of like expand on like the ideas of like you know how society is and can and should be maybe so you know there was like a large like you know spiritual movement that that goes hand in hand with this too like this awakening or whatever you would want to call it you know where it's like laurie spiegel calls expanding universe like a meditation so like there that that comes into play too so it's all like i don't know it's like a very pure sort of like people experience sound you know and if you're composing music to just like as a sound experience, like for people, like she said, Laurie Spiegel says, I read in an interview, like that's the closest you can get to touching someone without actually touching them. Hmm. Cause like, I mean, we all know like just how powerful like sound can be. Like it's, it's very different when, you know, you have a, a scene that, and just a scene in any movie, like the, the scoring can make all the difference. And, like, mm. that's that's not all that different from what they were doing here. Um, so I'll just get back into this. Uh, 
so Lori Spiegel, uh, she had first earned a degree in social science um, at Scheimer College in Illinois. Uh, she studied abroad, learning guitar theory and composition in London. Um, she eventually moved to New York where she decided to pursue music. I guess it was something that she had like always really, really wanted to do, but it was like, it's too late for you. They were telling her at like, you know, 18 years old, like it's too late. You should, you need to already be like a virtuoso or savant or something. It's too late if you wanted to make a career out of music. But she studied and she eventually, uh, you know, got into Juilliard where she continued to study and learn composition. Um, <clears throat> and this is where she started um, meeting all of like the like basement synth nerd guys of New York City in the late 60s. Um, so Morton Sabotnik, who is like, he's, he's a bleeps and bloops from outer space guy number one. Um, he composed uh, Silver Apples of the Moon, which is like maybe one of the more famous um, sort of like space age kind of sounds, um, composed on the Buchla synthesizer, uh, which is uh, something that Laurie Spiegel used quite a bit. And he's, you guys, uh, either of you heard of this one? He's Sonic the no. Hedgehog's nemesis. Yes, <laughs> also known as uh, Sonic Doc, the Hedgehog's Dr. Sabotnik. <laughs> Dr. Sabotnik. I wonder if that's actually what that's based on. Maybe. Possibly. Um, so, that also sounds like a guy from The Wire, and I'm really upset that no one else would enjoy the joke about Frank Sabotnik. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. You can, maybe the listeners would. Well, if you heard it, then maybe you did. And right <laughs> in. <laughs> <laughs> right into at super best friend music pod. Please write us <clears throat> and tell say us you I like enjoy the Franks. Joke. You know what you should do, listeners, if you're listening to this podcast and you're enjoying it right now, please rate, guten review, talk. and subscribe to us on yeah, Guten Tag. First off, first off, format, first and foremost, Guten Tag, um, <laughs> and rate, review, subscribe us on Apple Podcasts, and and in the review you can just write whether or not you like the Frank Sabotnik joke. <laughs> <laughs> Famous last words. All of our reviews didn't get the Sabotnik joke. Cool pod, though. Yeah, <laughs> Two good stars. pod, except for that Frank Sabotnik bullshit. <laughs> question mark, question If you mark. review our podcast and you write that, I'll come find you. What does so this I fucking liar? dare you. <laughs> I miss that. Uh, what is the via? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> the via? I don't know this. Old Ma's coming? What do they mean? What does this mean? See? And again, I'll just, I'm going to mute myself. <laughs> oh, that's cool. We're just going to listen to a second or two of uh, Morton Sabotnik's famous Silver Apples of the Moon. I mean, like, real, real space music. And, like, by no stretch of the imagination do I think that it's conducive to pretend like this is a bop. Like, it's cool, but, you know, like... It's fair to me that people, like, didn't get it. And and even with, like, Laurie Spiegel's music, too. Like, it's fair for at the time that, like, people weren't quite there yet, you know? Mother, like I only it, have money for one album. I don't know how to get Morton Sabotnik <laughs> or Sgt. Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, I guess I'll make get the one that doesn't make me question my Apple reality. Records? Or Silver Apple. Me. So <laughs> Martin Sabotnik it is. 
Um, but, but yeah, that's built on the boucle, which is um, you know something that that uh, Lurie Spiegel and um, Suzanne Shiani, if you wanted to get into even more boucle music, Suzanne Shiani has a great record called the Boucle Concerts. Hmm. Um, but uh, so Lurie Spiegel basically composed uh, or was taught, you know, how to, to use these synthesizers and all that uh, on Morton Sabotnik's old equipment. But there was a guy named Michael Kasowski who um, who actually taught her, and she had like a nice little support system of like dudes with thick glasses and sweaters and always smoking cigarettes that were like teaching her how to use these uh, synthesizers and all that. And you know, it seems like. If you watch the movie at Sisters with and Sisters, uh, or the documentary, I should say, um, that there was, like, a lot of women doing this. But you got to remember at the time, like, I think it says that one in every ten women, like, or one in every ten students at, like, a, a college, any given college, were female, maybe even less than that in some cases. <clears throat> so it was, like, um, a pretty spectacular thing that Laurie Spiegel was able to find this, like, support system of, uh, of people who could like teach her how to use some of this equipment and um, go on to, you know, sort of like fertilize this like love that she had for trying to explore this, this new, um, this new, uh, what do you call it, uh, medium, medium, explore the new medium. Um, and she actually worked at Bell Labs in New York City as a video artist before uh, she became like an audio medium artist <laughs> musician. She um like I guess that's how she kind of like paid the bills was like scoring all these movies and you know she did a lot of like sort of this like Morton Sabotnik type of like spacecraft music that maybe has a better name but I don't know it. Um, and in 1977 she was actually uh, like commissioned by Carl Sagan. Um, to one of her pieces or like it was a um, a take on uh, this piece Har- Harmonices Monday um, which Laurie Spiegel created in using the 17th century astronomer Johannes Kepler's concept of music based on planetary rotation uh, and that went with the Voyager as the golden record which have you guys ever heard of this golden record? Mm-hmm. I had never heard of it before and I was like kind of amazed i want to show you guys some of like the photos of them like making this golden record so it was a a record that they put together that's got like some music and like some just like speaking and it it was sent up with the voyager spacecraft in 1977 i think that's right um and it's made out of uh not gold but gold plated copper um, so her- I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's bullshit. Va, um, va, va, bullshit. <laughs> but aren't these these photos so cool? We'll include some of these in the show notes. We'll just include this link of of the making of the golden record. Oh. It's like these people pouring this bizarre record um, that was sent into space, and I think it was produced in Boulder, Colorado. I read. God, I love um, Carl Sagan. Yeah, and like it's no surprise that <clears throat> that Carl Sagan loved uh, Laurie Spiegel's weird uh, Voyager music or take on Voyager music. Hold on, let me see if I can. Oh, I have it right here. So this is her Harmonices Monday, or like a bit of it. 
Christ. <laughs> it's wild. I mean, like, it's like, you know, it's that, that slow changing music, but like, have, it's spooky. Have you see, watched through the X-Files? Mm-hmm. They, they they talk about this on the X Files and the Golden Disc and stuff. Really? That's another Wait, reason I know Wait, specifically this piece or just <clears throat> the... no, just the Golden Disc and they start playing this type of music and Mulder starts getting freaked out. Yeah, right. It's totally freaky. Like it's totally freaky, baby. <laughs> but it's kind of amazing that it was like even in '77. I guess things were kind of like. What's well, like know. the most advanced music you can make, I feel like, technologically right. speaking. Right, yeah, totally. Technologically? <clears throat> yes. Yeah, that's um, a word. I'm going to cut out the part where I doubted it. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> um, so, yeah, she was building sort of some of this, like, stranger music, always reaching towards, like, what is and what isn't music. Who cares? Um, I'm glad so, you said that. That's like always the debate. It's like, eh, who cares? <laughs> who cares? <laughs> it's all sound, baby. It's fine. <laughs> um, so the expanding universe. So this, the, the album. There's two versions that are available. <laughs> One is two and a half hours long, and that fe- it's like a more, uh, more expansive <laughs> expanding universe. Now with more universe. <laughs> with more universe Get than yours ever today, before. Chom. <laughs> um, I would really recommend that if you are somebody who is like interested in this stuff at all. Uh, th- there's a lot on it, um, but also the the cut down version is like just fine. I think the cut down version is like six tracks total, um, maybe seven, and then like the expanded one is like I don't know ten. I or think 12. it's only four. Yeah, the the short one is only four. At, see, I'm confusing because I have the CD and I have the record, and I've listened to. to <laughs> I am confusing. <laughs> I am I, confusing. <laughs> but I listen to Hello. both like a bunch, and like I'm just somebody who like can't for whatever reason like I don't remember song names. It's really hard for me. I just like listen to it and then like maybe. Well, yeah, you're more like an album person. Yeah, That's yeah, fine. totally. Yeah. <clears throat> but hey, man, as, we're all super best friends. Yeah. It's all cool. It's all groovy, baby. It's all groovy. <laughs> well, all, just no, not too much cross-mogination. <laughs> cross-mogination? <laughs> so make sure I heard that right. Yeah, 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 that's a part of the movie. Right, and the jumblies got all that. mixed up because of the cross-mogination, <laughs> yeah. and their heads exploded. <laughs> Listen, I know Austin Powers. Don't you worry. No, I I totally believe it. Now I kind of want to watch Austin Powers. I walked in on my mom watching Austin Powers pretty recently. <laughs> it was in the middle of my Cat in the Hat year, and to hear Mike Myers' voice in a sex scene, I was oh uh, it took it took my breath away, but not in the fun <laughs> bodyguard way. <laughs> Wait, was it the bodyguard? Yeah, that Mike Myers was in. No, it would take my breath away. Oh. Um, I don't know. I've never well, seen this is Let's derail guy. it. No. <laughs> Let's derail this whole thing. No, you know what? I was thinking I will always love you. That's the song from The Bodyguard. 
very different song. Do you guys not know that? Nope. Sorry. Well, see, Data, you should, because it's in The Simpsons, where Homer takes out uh, Mark Hamill. I've seen that. Uh, he ta- he, he's uh, his bodyguard, and he's getting him through the crowd of nerds, and that song starts playing, oh, and he's beating yes. everybody up. Mm. Yeah, hold That's on, hold on. because the bodyguard. <laughs> hold on. Simpson. Can't tell me That's a good episode. I can now. Uh, Luck be uh, a Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> I think you made a great bodyguard. Really? Would you say I was magnetic? Absolutely. Oh. Homer, I think you know what to do. Shoot. I forgot my If you had just mentioned the Simpsons episode, I would have been right there with you. Oh, wait, here it I is. assume oh, I knew this was, this, that's what this was from. That's how I know most things are The Simpsons and Weird Al. That's totally fair, and mm. I'm I'm kind of right there with you. There was like in more cases than not, I know The Simpsons ref more than I know whatever they're actually referencing. 100%. Um, but anyway, back to Laurie. Laurie Simpson. <laughs> Laurie Simpson. Um, over at Bell Labs. So Expanding Universe um, was mostly composed on a program called Groove, which is an out... Uh, it's a... It's gener- What's that? Nothing. Um, nothing. <laughs> uh, generating... So Groove uh, meant generating real-time operations on voltage-controlled equipment. So they were not only <laughs> Such geniuses... <nerds>. Yeah, and <laughs> super nerds. <laughs> Um, but it was used to permit the creation, storage, editing, and manipulation of music as pure patterns over a course of time. So, like, you may have noticed, like, a lot of the music sort of just, like, it starts as an idea, and then it just, like, unfurls into this, mm-hmm. like, you know, it just kind of keeps, like, bubbling and bubbling. And this getting... is the kind of music I really like to make, honestly. This is, like, what a lot of the music I made while watching The Cat in the Hat was like. like that is... Bizarre. Upsetting. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, that's I mean, upsetting. Well, it's like, I don't know, that's, uh, like, watching this documentary really is, like, it, it really kind of, like, I, I, I had a synthesizer for a couple of years, and that was, like, the most fun thing to play with, because it what, is just. What kind of synthesizer? I have no idea. Something a friend <laughs> lent me. Okay. Um, it was, like, a little micron board. It was, like, a small uh, digital synth, so it okay. wasn't, like, an analog one. But okay. you could still just, you know, you start a pattern and then just let it just go off, Queen, forever. Right, And it yeah. is just like you have one idea that you just keep expanding upon and expanding upon. And it's and it's something because I, I love music as an exploration like this, which like what, what we've been talking about where it's just you just sit there with something and you watch it take you around all these different places. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's what she was doing, totally. And, like, that's why she kind of, like, you know, ended up creating, like, a lot of the stuff that she did was just because, like, she loved this idea of, like, you know, expanding on, on the sounds. Um, so th- what she used um, to actually, like, compose this music, I guess, is was keyboards, a drawing ta- tablet, uh, buttons and knobs, quote-unquote, and uh, 
how she manipulated them was writing these really complex algorithms that would read the music and then like kind of regenerate it and like you could change different things about it like oh on every you know third note like take it down like a, a quarter of a pitch or whatever and like uh you know it, it's like analog super analog in that the the equipment they were using was very analog um but it was like algorithm music which is like i feel like that's kind of i was just gonna say like a very uh like dirty word in 2021 because like i don't know about you guys but like when i hear like i don't know like an an algorithm to me is just something that's like um like reading my thoughts and learning them to try and get me to buy something else Right, like or, that's kind uh, of because that's kind of the most I known was, use of algorithms is through social media and like YouTube and yeah, exactly. <laughs> I really thought you were just gonna say like that's pretty. <laughs> like whoa, because <laughs> you're like I was gonna say a really dirty word. I'm like, what are you going for, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> no. Wait, you thought I was gonna say really? Yeah, like algorithm music is music. Yeah. Like, you gotta be a real to put the, add math to art. You're like I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you know, geometry was bad enough. No algebra was bad enough. Now this bullshit. Now we gotta deal with this. I want to say What's something pretty letters? controversial. <laughs> I think algorithm music is. Quote me on that too. Because <laughs> are we like... cutting this? <laughs> Maybe. Mm, I'll leave that to you. Well, don't leave it to me, because I'll leave all these <laughs> in here. No, you know what? They're all going to be. Okay, that's fine. And I like that. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's what I should do. <laughs> I put these all out by, by, uh, by fucking around with a synthesizer and flattening a note so it has no tone to it anymore. That's what I use for bleeps. There you go. Sick. There you go, baby. I'm there like Lawrence Fagan. <laughs> what? That's right. Our very you just combined... Thing. You combined her with Carl Sagan. You just said Laurie Spagan. Uh, but it's like, I don't know. Like, for me, that's something that, like, I actually worry about. Not, like, actively, like, I'm paranoid about or anything. I just, like, worry that that's the direction that music is heading, right? Like, that's something that really freaks me out. Like, Grimes, I know, is, like, a big, you know, somebody who talks about it. Like, it is, you know, the next greatest thing. Like, What do you mean? Uh, algorithm music oh. like just basically like using an algorithm to to build music and it scares me now but for some reason when Laurie Spiegel was just doing it on like her synthesizer at, at Bell Laboratories I'm like go off queen well, That's... not to be like uh <laughs> not to like be I don't know how to like not to blow it way out of proportion but it's like the same thing with the atom bomb where they were trying to research the atom and they discovered you could cut an atom and all that can happen. And yeah. And Einstein was like, damn, this is a crazy thing. And then they were like, oh, my God, that's a bomb. And he was like, oh, oh shit, you're does right. It, does it have to be? <laughs> was, I thought it was like a science thing. And they're like, it is. It's a science bomb. <laughs> For and Dylan. that's what this is. It's, she's like, I found a new form of art. And they're like, you did. It's money art. Yes, exactly. You took all the fun of economics and turned it into art. And now we can turn it back into economics. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And like that, like, 
so to hear that like this music this album that i love so much was actually just like an algorithm that somebody wrote like 40 years ago like yeah it's like it's it's apples and oranges it's but two what different is things music who cares no no like no. <laughs> i mean you know that's how you like most music is in one way or another almost like an algorithm where it's like you know you do the first you do the chorus and the next verse you like you drop it down to make the nice like resonating um yeah, but also that's like, you know, you're... <laughs> People can't see what I'm doing, but it's a circle. <laughs> Spinning. Because I forgot the word, so, you know. But, but it's, it's like, like that's... It's a that's logical e- step in music, I think. Yeah, right. But it's also so, like a human making that decision to do that. Where but then what happens when you add computer into this situation? Uh, then... <laughs> Then we have, uh, I don't know, Grimes' next album. <laughs> no, I mean, you get this. Because, like, you get rock where a, a person's going to figure out a formula to make a pop, like, a good, like, poppy song that's going to be catchy. And then you put a human in front of a computer who uses, whose only nature is through algorithms, and you kind of combine that into this. And, it, like, it, yeah. it makes it like makes sense. It's not a bummer until someone else bummed it out, is, I guess, totally. what I'm trying to Totally, yeah, but totally. It's like, this part's not a bummer. Right. It's like when you see the old trappers that went through the West and liked Native Americans, and they're like, hey, this is pretty cool. No one else is over here. And then they went back and told two people, and they're like, uh-oh. Uh-oh. oh no. <laughs> we messed up. Yeah, exactly. And, like, Lori Spiegel actually kind of, like, dipped out of the music scene in about 1980 because she's somebody who was, like, really vocal about, like, fuck that. Like, she was not interested in, like, you know – making the art to sell she made all these programs and everything that that she had done that she had made was like she would make them available for free after the fact i mean in this case like with groove and everything like they you needed these giant computers to do it so it's like you know in the early 70s it wasn't really accessible to everybody but she didn't like that she wanted it to be like sort of you know available for everybody to enjoy and use and like not in the name of profit only so yeah she was pretty punk rock in that way too um and she has there's this great quote just about i guess what we were just talking about but she says it'll be a long time if ever till we know enough about music and perception to automate such things completely and like it's just you know here we are in 2021 this was in the 70s like so you know going back half a century and she's like yeah, maybe someday, like, this will be able to be completely automated. And I don't know if that's necessarily, like, a good way to go. But I obviously, we are going that way anyway. But I do think that Laurie Spiegel's music in, in the expanding universe, it's, like, it's it's there's something very human to it because even though it was, like, built on all these algorithms, she would still go in and, uh, you know, tweak them and manipulate them after the fact so she was like she had her own spin on these things it wasn't just like patterns repeating repeating it was like she was you know going in there and using her compositional skill and her artistic vision or whatever and changing it just enough um so that there's like there's still a bit of of human touch to it Um, have you listened to any music that is all ai generated no i haven't do you want to hear a clip of something yeah what should i look up here, I'll, I'll, um, I'll send it to you. Okay. I came across this kind of recently. Uh, I believe they're called Soul Machine is the company. 
but it is they'll put in um you know hundreds of this is Beatles music so this is after they put a, a ton of like all the Beatles music into this computer and then this computer spat out its own Beatles song Oh my god, somebody actually sent me the Beach Boys one of these, like just last week. But they're, they're words enough. Yeah. It's like a Ringo song. <laughs> It actually tried to do a Ringo song and it just shut down and it still came out. Oh my gosh. It's really interesting to listen to the difference between what Lori Spiegel did to what this is. Yeah. For what she's trying to do. What she predicted might happen. Yeah. Here we are. Did you ever see that horror movie, The Strangers? The Strangers? Yeah, it's like a home invasion movie. So. Yeah, with Dennis Reynolds? Yeah. But at one point, it's like they're like running away from the murderers and like they like leave a record player skipping and it's super ominous and scary because it's just in the background while you know there's murderers in the house. That's what this feels like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's totally the vibe. <laughs> yeah, something is off about this. It's weird. And I feel, right, human. I feel like I have to keep looking behind me while I'm listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> One from Sergeant Pepper. I'm really kind of interested to know like how exactly this is generated. Oh, oh this is OpenAI Jukebox is a thing. If you go there to that site, it'll, I think it has more explanations and stuff to it. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. <laughs> It'd be funny to like mess with the algorithm and just put in like Octopus's Garden way more than all the other songs and just see like, <laughs> what, what happens. Just to see. Oh. Like, to, this like, one seems learn. off. I've had to learn so much about these, like, generative... These Beatles? <laughs> these lads from Liverpool? No, like, <laughs> like uh, training, like, machine learning models for work. Like, because I have to, like, write up... I'm, like, writing a paper about, like, uh, this, like, neuroimaging measures. So I have to had to learn these. Like, it's, like, a, like, decoding audio signals from brain waves whoa Ugh, no thank you yeah Good i luck don't know dr that octopus joe it's really un interesting but i i don't understand <laughs> my own stuff <laughs> but it's very cool because like uh i guess it's like they've proven that to some extent the brain the like it, it actually fits very well with electronic music like the electrical signals in the brain will actually synchronize with external like wow. sound waves and that's part of processing sound so we're looking at mm. wow. my papers like looking at like 
the literature on like people with autism and like whether they do it the same as other people and that kind of thing. Interesting. But forward the PDF. I'll pretend I can understand it. I'm just gonna wait for you to explain it in chunks over the course of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, I'm smart on paper, but not in practice. (laughs) (laughs) No, Joe, you're smart. If you weren't smart, then you know we wouldn't be enemies. (laughs) <laughs> we would just be friends Super best friends Oh fuck yeah <laughs> you bleep that whole thing out? Just your oh fuck yeah response. Oh yeah sure Yeah just bleep that whole thing out I'll bleep the shit you say too like, <laughs> bleep We should put this episode through Like music mouse and see what it comes out with that sounds all right, actually. I'd be interested we to should. see if you can do that. Yeah, we should. Let's try to put this. Let's try to find a way to turn this album into electronic music. That'd be really cool. You it would can sound terrible, just plug but it I'd into be fascinated. Music mouse. Yeah, we'll see. I'm interested. I'll try. It'll be a good project. Maybe I can right. finish that by the time we try and release this. Um, you got a so, year. <laughs> yeah. So expanding universe is. Not only the, you know, it's the titular track of the record, and it's a whole side long. It's 28 minutes and 28 seconds. Um, written and composed over the course of 1975. Um, at, I found this very interesting. At the time, one of the longest pieces of music to be cut to a single record. So, like, that's, huh. yeah, I know, at 28 minutes, I was kind of surprised. Um, so, and since this was before cassettes and eight tracks, etc., uh, the sound quality was compromised just by the limitations of home listening equipment at the time. Right. Um, and so this is why I like the CD version because I have both the record, not an original, but the reissue from 2012. So I have the record and the CD. And the CD, it just sounds much better. Like there's... The CDs sound just so much better. And, like, I'm somebody who listens to mostly records, like, when I'm doing, you know, listening to something that I love at home. Um, But there is definitely, like, there's something to be said about music like this just, like, sounding better on a CD. Mm. It's just That's interesting, yeah. Yeah, and it's because, like, you know, I was reading, the liner notes in this CD reissue also are incredible. I mean, it's it's Laurie Spiegel, and she just goes in to, like, track for track. And not only that, but, like, computer model by computer model. Like, she has oh. the, the names of all the computers that she was using, all of the technology they were using. And it's like, I'm reading it, and I'm absorbing maybe about half of it. Because, like, she really is just, like, a mad scientist who like loves music and that's like pretty clear in in the notes for this um expanding universe reissue and i i can't recommend it enough like it's really interesting to read you know the way that she talks about computers is like somebody trying to like describe the moonlight or something it's like so she just she loves it so much and it's it's clear that you know, it was just a, a huge part of her being, and it's it's really interesting. Like, I would describe my phone as, like, a piece of shit, generally, and that's about as deep as I could go on it, but, like, the way Laurie Spiegel talks about her synthesizers and the computers that they were using at the time is, is really amazing. Um, and also something I thought was pretty interesting that I'd like to mention, when the record first came out, 
Uh, it was released on Philo Records, which is a folk label from Vermont, like a tiny folk cool. label from Vermont. Yeah. And Rounder Records, which is another folk label uh, out of Somerville, Massachusetts. And Ooh, I know. Yeah. Hitting all of us. Yeah, right? And so it was weird. bought by people in Germany. <laughs> was it? Shh. Sure. I'm bleeping <laughs> that shit out. <laughs> I've gone mad with my bleep power. Yeah, yeah. With have. my bleeping power. <laughs> Um, yeah, so bizarre. So, like, she, like, calls it folk music. It's, like, really, you know, it's kind of not by what anyone would call folk music, but Rounder Records and Philo Records release it on their folk label in 1980, which I love. That's so awesome. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Like, she probably loved that, too. Um, so uh, that's that's expanding universe um i guess we should listen to just a couple tracks i won't go too deep into any of them but the first patchwork is like that's the opening track of the the record and it's so fun this is the bike riding Mm. song that i was talking about and i was really hoping that that sisters Mm. with transistors movie would open up with this and they didn't but they i think they did use a different larry spiegel piece but i'm just gonna throw it in can i use the third one favorite track on on the whole album too it's really good and what i thought i was gonna say for this episode was like i'm like oh i really like respect and appreciate it but i don't know if i'll go back and listen to it but because i wanted to be ready to talk about it i kept listening to it and every time i listen to it i like it more and it's this is such a warm and fun intro and it's like it really does kind of suck me in now like i, I yeah I wasn't expecting this. (laughs) Yeah, totally. It's so fun and, like, just beautiful. And, like, I think I mentioned this last episode. I put this record on probably more than any other record in my collection because I love it so much. Um, And this, like, just the vibe of this this song Patchwork, I think, has a lot to do with that because it's so nice. And then, like, you know, as the record goes on, it kind of gets like a little farther and farther out there, more and more meditative. But this one's just so much fun. I love this, and I love on the third track. I love her like synthesized percussion. I think is really cool that, how she did. Oh that. yes, yeah. She she talks about this one. Uh, we'll listen to track number three too. Just skipping over track number two. Definitely more of like a deep space sort of vibe. Mm-hmm. And she talks about I forget I forget what the name of the program is. Uh, it might actually be Pentachrome, but the the program that she used or built to like. Uh, do this sort of like repeating thing where it's kind of like dropping a note like as it gets faster
And I really like, there's a lot of sort of like uh, uh, analog artifacts that are left over um, on the recording. Like you can kind of hear like a bit of like a tape hiss or like some, like a little bit of feedback. And I think that too, like makes it a lot more warm than like a lot of electronic music mm. now, you know, because there is like That's it so was sterile. recorded on analog uh, equipment. And then like in in the reissue, the liner notes, she's like, yeah, like, you know, I could have like tried to take them out um, while I was like, you know, after I, the, taking the, the recording off the reel to reel or whatever. But I it probably would have made it harder to like do some of the other things that I was trying to do. So like I just left the tape hiss and like some of the like static sounds on and like, sorry if it bothers you. Which I find very funny that she would apologize. So that's pentachrome. We're just gonna skip around a little bit. Like, um, I'm trying to, I don't remember if, which artist it was. I think it was Daphne Orum when she's like wiggling the tape while it's like playing to like get a rhythm. Like it's like on a loop, but she's like, yeah. And it was so mm. cool to see that. I, cause yeah, like the actual process of making music like this was completely not known to me i didn't know tape loop like i i, I knew it to hear like i've heard the term tape loops and like yeah like patch chords like i know that they exist but i didn't really know how they work before the movie yeah yeah it's it's a pretty rare treat like some people still do that i've seen a couple of little tape loop shows and it's like it's really really cool to see people do it they have these you know big like reel to reel setups and they just sort of create these sounds and then just bloop, 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 loop them over and over oh, yeah. it's the kind of stuff i've always really wanted to try to get into but i've always been just it's so intimidating to try to do any of that also you have to have a shitload of amazing analog equipment yeah, but you know who has a shitload of analog equipment is the record store down the street. Really? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> they have so many reel-to-reels down there. Yeah, that would be, uh, what is that? Welfare, right? Mm-hmm. Welfare Records in Haverhill, Mass. Closed until further notice. Really? Oh, no. They closed during the pandemic, and they haven't reopened. I wonder. I know they have, like, an online store, a Discog store. Maybe they're still just operating... Yeah, I'm sure he's just doing that, and he sells a lot of other shit, too. Yeah, right. You know. Yeah. We all know. It, it kind of, sorry, back to, like, the, like, analog equipment. Like, for me, I think of, like, hip-hop and, like, early, like, sampling and, um, like, record scratching. I never, I don't think that made sense to me until I saw somebody doing it. And I'm like, oh, that's like hard to comprehend. It's really right. cool because it, it it can be similar to electronic music, a kind of just aesthetically jarring sound, mm-hmm. like a record scratch or like certain, like I think square waves they said were like extra jarring in the movie. But, yeah, 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 yeah. But like, yeah. But then when you when when you see someone actually manipulating it and like kind of treating it like an instrument and a musician, you're like, oh, this is very cool. It's really cool to get to do a very little bit with this at my job where I work with a lot of guitar pieces. And like for a while, I was like I was magnetizing guitar pickups huh. and stuff like that is so crazy to think about 
as to like what's happening and how it's working and like to get to be a part of it and like to have like guitar boards you can just like you almost do the same kind of patchwork but it's just like very confined but it is like it's kind of just magic in a way i don't know it feels like magic yeah well i like how they describe it in the in the documentary as like working with energy like which is totally what it is but like we don't think about it like that and also like our i think our perception of electronic music now since it is all just like you know if you go see an electronic show now it's a guy or girl with a laptop you know nine out of ten times which like i'm not saying that there's not stuff going on in there but it's just like a lot less hands-on and it's all like sort of you know built in these these like uh you know user interfaces yeah exactly that like none of this stuff none of the stuff you know expanding universe type stuff is uh oh good just to make sure it's a quick recording. check. Just it's a, a good time to, to check an hour and a half still, into it. I know. Still recording. Um, but yeah, none of, there was none of these programs. Like these were the guys and women who are on the, the pioneering forefront of this stuff so that we could yeah. go just like see some person with a laptop, you know. And there's a lot more heart and soul in it just because they, like, they didn't have an oscillator plug-in that they had, like, a slider to decide what happened. Right, right, They right. had to piece it together bit by bit by bit. Yeah, right. I remember um, I did see someone playing, like, a more, like, a more analog synthesizer. I don't know. Like, it wasn't, like, the full giant reel-to-reel thing. But I, when I was in like middle school, I went to see Primus and this guy opened for the plague, just like kind of like electronic drones. But he never introduced himself, so I thought he was just a sound guy, like trying to figure out because it, it looks like a soundboard when it's just. A thing. So he never said who he was, and he's just like getting something. Like, oh, he's just figuring out the levels or something. And it went on for like thirty minutes. It was a full opening set. And they just went, "Thank you." I'm. Uh, oh, that was the music. You can check me out on Bandcamp. <laughs> I just. So I guess I did see it, but I didn't realize I had seen it before. <laughs> I didn't realize it was actually music happening. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, Primus also just uh, rescheduled slash confirmed their 2021 tour. I'm pretty sure it was put off from 2020. And I'm really excited because they're playing like the next town over in Essex, Vermont. And it's a big outdoor thing. And I really want to go. I've never seen Primus, and I don't even really listen to them, but it just seems like it'll be super fun. They are it's pretty... a very good live band, however, yeah. You, yeah. however you feel about the music, and I would understand any feeling, positive or negative, because it's a weird, messy discography, but definitely worth seeing live if you get Yeah, that seems like the vibe, for sure. I saw them on their 3D tour where they had 3D shit going on all around them. That sounds very cool. I think that's also the first time I ever smelled marijuana because I was a middle schooler and like as soon as Primus went on, there was just this wave of everybody like lighting up like right before they got. You just hear. Like, ah, what is that? Man, I remember the first time I smoked weed and I thought to myself, this is what my house has been smelling like when I come home. <laughs> I was like, that's weed? Wait a minute. I thought there was just a lot of skunks under the bay. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. I remember the first time I smelled DMT at a Disco Biscuits concert. 
<laughs> you guys well, ever smell I, DMT? What is no. DMT? I do um, sound like the square in the group. Um, I don't actually know. Like, is that like what... cough syrup? No, it's no. like a. I don't know how you take it. I think you. You smoke it. Eat it. You smoke it. Yeah. Right, because you just said you bur- you smelled burning DMT. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, it is. It re- it creates a reaction in your brain that's supposed to recreate like you dying. That's so fun. it's like your brain's like last moments, and it, it it's supposed to be like a crazy quick uh, like ultimate euphoria trip, and it's something that a lot of people have said they had like life changing trips on. Yeah, it's like you see like DMT. I've never done it, but you see like these DMT angels, and it's the type of thing where it's like you like smoke it or whatever, and then it's like oh whoa, it's happening, but then it's like gone pretty quickly. It's like an immediate you know? thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like a but it releases whatever um, chemicals in your brain that it releases when you die. That's freaky. Yeah, it's Too really weird. Freaky. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's also like a very uh, strange and recognizable smell. So next time you see, I don't know, Ween or something, I feel like that would be a good place to where you. I'm just gonna so anytime I smell something, be like, excuse me, is that DMT? Is that DMT you're smoking? It smells like mothballs. Not great, but anyway, I don't know how we got here. Me neither. You oh, Joe smelt weed at a show, and I just had to bring it there to DMT. Oh, we're all currently dying. That's how we got there. <laughs> this is the we last sure are, moment. <laughs> I'm seeing my DMT angels, and they look like Joe. <laughs> Joe Polano. Hey. hey. I hope uh, that's true. Not that you're dying, but I hope that my DMT <laughs> angels are Joe Polano. Well, come to the great beyond, my gang. super best friend. <laughs> hey, man, you want to talk about Harry Nilsson? <laughs> Forever, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then it's gonna be like, oh, by the way, I'm not regular Joe. I'm an angel. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you know, should have said that you. up top. That's on me. <laughs> no, it's all right. I was down either way, Mister Angel. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> hey, Mister Angel's my dad. You can call me Joe. <laughs> call me Joe Angel. Can I just call you Joe? I just no. said Joe Angel. <laughs> I'm already not making you call me Mr. Angel, okay? Call me Joe Angel. Mind is that, is that him calling me Angel? Is that <laughs> yes. Call me Joe Angel. Um, this is the last, the very, while we're like getting into, you know, talking about. Uh, talking about what, Dana? Uh, death and uh, dying uh, and DMT uh, Angels. <laughs> Uh, Joe Polana, DMG Death Angels? <laughs> that's the band name. Ooh, yeah, that's not bad. Um, this is, we're not going to listen to all 28 minutes, but just the, uh, just a couple minutes, I guess, of this expanding universe, the last 28-minute track on the record. I'm, I'm curious what you guys thought about this one, because it's very different from, you know, the earlier ones. I loved it. I, I really loved all this album. Oh, I'm glad. I kind of thought that you might like the the expanding universe track a bit because yeah, I know I, you smoke a lot of weed. But Joe, I was like, yo, not so shush. Sure about. <laughs> they don't know that I'm doing that right now. <laughs> I, I mute it when I light this when I light it. I think this would be one of <laughs> like one of the ones that is growing on me. Yeah. Very much. Yeah. Because you have. It, 
it's meant to be sat with, and I don't know. Do you do that often, Joe? Do you ever just sit and listen? I'm trying to I'm be... sorry, that sounded... <laughs> I, no, 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 I, I Joe, do you ever just sit Joe. and listen, you motherfucker? Yeah, I'm just trying I'm trying up. to be better about that, because like, I think, you know, most of my life, I, I would have music on while I was doing something, and like... Yeah. Like, like, taking the time to just sit and listen is... It's a real game changer. Yeah, it's special, and this is really cool music to do it with, like... It's beautiful, this song. Yeah. It is beautiful. But I don't yeah. I don't know that like if I'm listening to it in the background, I appreciate that. Like I do. No. Yeah, totally. It gets a little lost and then Dude. like maybe you're just like uh, what was that? Like I don't really recall any of it. Like whatever. Uh, I read a cool quote. I don't remember if it was about um William Basin like Basinski or Steve Wright, mm-hmm. like one of those like minimalist composers one of those guys but the idea that there is no actual repetition in music because even if you hear the same thing you're like you're not the same each time you hear it like each time you Mm. hear it it is different because of your feeling about it and because of like hearing it a third time it's impacted by hearing it like the second time and then the fourth time. so I'm like oh that's really cool and like that kind of I think like yeah I needed people to explain music like this to me but now that it's happened it's cool that's really an <laughs> insane thought I never thought about that yeah I mean I feel like that was like part of like the whole the whole thing is like let's do it so small or like so you know like i mean even if it's a bigger idea but like let's make it so i i don't know like so much so that you need to like look inward to find what's happening yeah i think you know what i'm trying to say i think pauline coined the term like deep listening like that it's not just listening like you have to hear the changes you have to really be paying attention and embracing it yeah and there was actually so this is like it's minimalist people call it minimalist music but like uh they used to call it before it was you know before other people called it anything um it was slow change music so like that was you know terry riley philip glass steve Wright. those whole the whole uh you know New York art scene, music art scene crew would call it slow change music, and I really like I that. I do like that. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> I honestly have been so zoned out thinking about repetition of music thing that Joe said that <laughs> I haven't left that. Uh, it's on another planet. Yeah, well, you're playing this fucking music, and then Joe's like, have you ever thought about this insane thought? And then, and then you're like, oh, we'll just keep having a conversation. And it's like my brain's sitting here like, what are you supposed to Every time you see Bugs Bunny dressed like a hot woman. Well, when you think about the difference between like, oh, God, this is going to sound awful. Play it on us. When you think about the power you get out of like a Ramon song versus the power you get out of like a good upbeat jazz song. Mm-hmm. And 
like the type of power you feel like you're getting out of it and the type that it's emitting and the type that like they are as people mm-hmm. is so different but it's so close yeah right it's like it's that kind of untouchable feel to it but it's like one is oh man i'm gonna get even worse with it now it's like when you it's it's like one is hammering it over over your head uh, and then the other one is just continuously going and seeing you keep up with it. Mm. And the differences you can make between those two and switching back between the two. Like the power you can give something by repeating it a hundred times and the power you give it by only letting it exist once. Right. Yeah. Is so crazy. And to play with that like, spectrum is uh, a thought that I have not comprehended in the last 10 minutes, I guess. <laughs> uh, but it's I like... I feel like Larry Spiegel of... would be very proud that this was just unearthed while talking about it. Yeah, she'd record. be bummed. She, then she'd be like, oh, who said it? Then she'd like look me up and be like, oh, fucking oh, ass. No. <laughs> and she'd be like, I can't believe this is what makes me kill myself. No. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you, sir? Also, like, David, did you talk about the album art? Because I think it's so funny. Is it her interviewing oh. herself? I think yeah, so. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> It's I so funny. So much. That's the funniest shit. Did you? I, I couldn't finish it because I couldn't read uh, yeah, what was in the it, it yellow. It gets oh really God, hard to read in the yellow part. But, but it's yeah. so funny because it is like I was I, – I, so I listened to this album and then yesterday and then I watched the documentary this afternoon and then I re-listened to it. And it is like – it feels like the interview of her saying all the bullshit she's had to put up with. <laughs> yes. Totally. Just to just to fucking t-ball herself, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. She's like there's this one, I think it's the very last line of it where it's like the interviewer herself is like sounds like, you know, you're you're kind of alluding a lot to what it sounds like. Why don't you like just give us just a little description? And she's like, "Why don't you just listen to the album?" Like, she just won't do it. She won't give him anything. But it's also, it's so funny that it, she's, like, being an invasive, su- an evasive subject for herself. Yeah, for her own interview. Yeah. <laughs> That's punk rock. That is. Yeah. Totally, well, she's being totally. evasive to her own invasive. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh it's like, fuck. <laughs> but, yeah. Dog, did you ever think about the Ramones versus Jazz? <laughs> But like I, I, like, like that point you're making though, it it does, the idea of people like and what she's saying on the line notes like being like, is this music? Blah 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 blah. Like that whole debate. It's like, well, there are things that tie all these really disparate genres, like the idea of repetition or just holding a note or like, why why can't it be music? Like, what is? Yeah inspiring that feeling that sensation that emotion right and all of these like all these you know uh female pioneer synth ladies like that they mentioned in that movie like i said they were all like they were like classical nerds for the most part like they were really really well educated on on classical music and but in in an environment that like wasn't built for them and like you know it's all old white dead guys oh yeah right well um and 
Oh, go ahead. Oh, Nina Simone talks about this, like in like the Nina Simone documentary, because she wanted to be a classical mm-hmm. pianist, mm-hmm. and like the idea of like you have to be like a player. You're not going to ever compose as a woman at this mm-hmm. point in time. Like you are just like you can be in the world, but you can only fit this narrow space carved for you in that world. Yes, right, right, yeah, and like so many of these women are like you know they're 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 these new technologies these synthesizers these computers that are like giving them the opportunity to say like well wait a minute like what can i do like do i have to do it this way or can we like break the the molds or what Mm -hmm. have you and like find a new way to do it while like building our own cool thing and i guess there's something to be said about just being able to hear how it sounds without needing to assemble an orchestra (laughs) Right? <laughs> like, yeah. I could actually hear what my full composition sounds like and fine tune that without needing 30 white guys. <laughs> right, right. So many of Larry Spiegel's uh, compositions, too, were like made for orchestras, and she never heard them. Hasn't. She's still alive, luckily, but, you know, she had never really gotten the opportunity to hear them played that way, like at, with an orchestra. But you can. You know, really, do it just fine with the synthesizer, I guess. I really liked listening to her talk in the documentary. Me too. She's got a great voice. And she's so like, she is like a mad scientist, like what you said. She's like so spacey. Like she sounds, yeah. she has, she has the cadence of someone spacey, but that everything she's saying is super poignant and intelligent. And it's just like totally. this she's is a really total genius. <laughs> yeah. Like oh, I forgot. I'm a genius. Like it's like. <laughs> yeah. Right. There's also a point in the movie, like, no spoilers, but where she's, like, a pigeon whisperer for some reason, <laughs> and she's, like, covered in pigeons. <laughs> God love her. She's such a sweet woman. She's so cool. Um, so that is the expanding universe in a nutshell. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Pretty great one. I'm really glad that you guys enjoyed it so much because I was honestly, like, a little bit worried. It's a little bit far out there, like, more so than ones that we've done in the past. And, like, I know there's, like, you know, it's hard. Maybe it's a little harder to talk about, like, you know, some more ambient-style music in a way that is, uh, like, as engaging or interesting as, like, talking about, you know, T-Rex or whatever. But there's some there's, – there's, there's a lot to uncover there, and I'm glad no. that, that we dug into a little bit. For sure. So I mean, I think I it's just – this yeah, is exploration content. over expression, as opposed to we're you know the other way. Oh, I like that. Yeah, well, you know, I have some deep thoughts. I just don't yeah, think I got this. deep thoughts. Um, okay. Um, I before we move on anywhere, I I just send you a link. Uh, I wanted to give a shout out to someone if you don't if you guys don't mind. Uh, this is a friend of mine oh. that I've known. <clears throat> I've known her like most of my life, I think. But she is, uh, I thought it'd be like, she is a, like a synth player, a synth and guitar player, but she records and produces all of her own music. And oh, cool. she started doing, uh, she just got hired doing like video game soundtracks for like beat games. Hmm. And uh, she's yeah. released a lot of music on like a collection of analog synths that she has. Oh wow! And uh, it's the Unicorn Princess, and she just released an album called Sugar, and it's super fucking cool. And I was watching this documentary, and it made me think of her because I was like, it's crazy to see 
where it, you know, where this goes. Yeah, right? Oh my gosh, how cool to have a big collection of analog synthesizers. I love that. We've definitely talked about this before, but whenever I have like, you know, an, an extra digit in my bank account that's not usually there, I'm like, maybe now is the time I get into synthesizers. I, it was so hard to not buy a theremin or a synth while I was watching this movie. Yeah, right. uh, I would also be remiss. But we had have to mention Angela Sawyer, who's a great noise and synth musician. Oh my too. god, she's the coolest. I got she. I opened her. I don't know. Oh, look at that. Uh, yeah, listen to this one. Which one? The second one here. I I pointed at my screen. I'm sorry. <laughs> she is a great comedian, a great storyteller, a great uh, person, punk singer, a great noise musician. Um, I, I saw got to Weirdo Records. Was she? She used to. She owns Weirdo Records. Yeah. Okay, right on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we got we got to open for her album release as Noisebreaker, and that was like one of the oh, most fun cool. shows. That's awesome. I think we might have talked about it. Where I I did a show with her, where she had a noise musician turn my album, but just the microphone feed, like no audience, into noise tracks and played that behind me doing stand-up. That's kind of cool. She's like a real like artist. She is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's uh, so cool to like. God, I miss. She's such an important to, part of the scene. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And she's like, you know, I mean, well, well regarded outside of the scene in Boston too. It's like it's yeah, it's very very cool work. But I was just saying, I can't wait to like go back to seeing shows like this. Very safe, COVID safe too, because I mean, when is there ever more than like ten people at a show like this, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, and no one's breathing that heavy or moving around. No one's breathing that. We're all, like everyone's kind of sitting around, like maybe your eyes are even closed, like your your breaths are shallow, your eyes. I are thought closed. you were gonna say your eyes are closed together. And maybe your eyes are closed together. For maybe some you look reason. like a freak, and no one's gonna stand near you at all. <laughs> some kind of ogre. <laughs> yeah, I, I love Unicorn yeah. Princess and Angela Sawyer. Those two people are are great, uh, great women doing great synth music today. Great oh, yeah. uh, addition. Thank you, Alan. Um, oh, here we go. Just because I'm a great white male, don't mean <laughs> I don't respect some chicks. <laughs> I gotta cut that line out. Anyways, Zappa time. <laughs> well, obviously, this was a tough one. To find degrees from Zappa, but would you believe that I managed to do it within two degrees? Hell yeah! Wow. Um, and <laughs> she is Frank Zappa. <laughs> Lori. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, well, she worked at Lori Spiegel worked at uh, Electric Music Laboratories who made synthesizers for none other than Tommy Mars during his uh, tenure with Mr. Frank Zappa in the late 70s. Um, and I sent you a YouTube clip if you want to hear those those synthesizers that Lori Spiegel would have worked on. I do. Playing for Zappa. You can cut to 53 seconds, and I think it's where it starts to get... What a rig. Oh. 
And I don't know if you caught this with uh, when Laurie Spiegel was being interviewed. She had a big Joe Zawinul poster, and he played keys on Bitches Brew. Like all our albums are like coming together. Whoa. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> and he was in Weather. He like founded Weather Report. He's like a very influential electronic keyboardist. So it uh, makes sense that that would be yeah. an influence on her. <laughs> oh, great find. I love this one. Yeah, and the email was only active for, for 68 to 76 is when they stopped producing them. Mm. And so this would have been like their last models of synthesizers were Whoa. made for Tommy Mars. Awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, that's a good Tommy one. Tommy Mars is... Uh, I think you would really enjoy a lot of this era of Zappa, Dana, and you would definitely like to watch uh, The Amazing Mr. Bickford, which is a lot of synthesizer and weird noise stuff to um, Claymation by Bruce Bickford. Ooh, okay. Yes, I'm sold. That that sounds awesome. I thought for a second that was the movie where, like, Don Knotts becomes a fish. No, that's uh, (laughs) Mr. Limpet. Amazing Mr. Limpet. I really love this. I like that you knew exactly what I was. I'm a fresh. I like I. I've never even heard of that movie, and I worked at a fucking movie store for like five years. Um, you really, and you can't think about the blue cover with Don Knotts ca- kissing a cartoon fish. Or did nope. you mean the Bickford one, or the? <laughs> <laughs> which, which also weirdly had a cover of Don Knotts kissing a fish. <laughs> <laughs> Unrelated. Ghost and Mr. The Ghost of Mr. Chicken is probably my favorite Don Knotts film. Whoa. I think that's the one. No, no, it's not. Isn't it's Private Eyes? I think where he has to go uh, investigate a haunted mansion. <laughs> Apparently, I think uh, I don't know why they talked about this on Norm Macdonald's podcast. That I guess Don Knotts was actually like a big womanizer in real life and, oh my god and his pickup line would be like i'm married but it's not going well <laughs> <laughs> damn dude that would work if, if don Knotts came up and said that to me with his big like well you know my wife she doesn't like me very much maybe it's because i keep sleeping with women like you oh my god you want to find out <laughs> all growing up because my mom loves <laughs> <laughs> the Andy Griffith show, my TV room just had a big poster of Don Knotts for my entire childhood. Whoa. <laughs> he was a big part of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I we watched a lot of uh, a lot of his movies with my grandparents. I how did we get here? <laughs> <laughs> Where are we? Well, anyways, so well, that's anyways, that. um. So what have you guys been listening to this week? What I've been listening to, I rediscovered this recently. Oh, is hell my yeah. Love of Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which I will have to do this for an episode at some Please. point. Please. You definitely will. Especially but, since we've talked about not, like, we've talked about musicals and how we've all had different experiences with them. And, and this is, like, the coolest musical. And this is, like... I already, this is a good song, but then they redid it. This is Sugar Daddy from Hedwig and the Angry Inch, but the Broadway recording of it with Neil Patrick Harris 
Originally, this was like a country song. That then, when they brought it to Broadway, they made it this like crazy rock tune. So yeah, and it is like the horniest song. I guess I do listen to a lot of horny music. <laughs> I, I just get really randy, baby. Oh, yeah, baby. You're a hedonist. Yeah. I think you just love glam, and yeah. glam is horny inherently. I mean, this is also just a great song. Maybe musicians have just historically been horny. It's hard. To, <laughs> yeah. It's hard to find non-horny music. I'm historically very horny. <laughs> what do you think is the least horny music you've ever heard? That I've ever heard? Yeah. Um, Vic Benedict Chestnut. Monks. Oh God, yeah. Alvin yeah. Vic Chestnut. Yeah, look up Vic Chestnut Feast in the Time of Plague. <laughs> Oh this God. is the least horny thing I've ever heard. In contrast to the most horny thing possibly. Yeah, Sugar Daddy, Which where he so says, I'll be your Venus on a chocolate clamshell riding on a sea of marshmallow foam. Mm. Which is definitely about coming in a butt. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Riding a chocolate clamshell on a sea of marshmallow foam. That's uh, about... Just sounds tasty. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, a, it's about <laughs> Dana. That's good for you. You free. You free, girl. <laughs> this is Vic Chestnut. Uh, you know, this is what I've been listening to lately. <laughs> this is uh, the opening track off his last album, Skinner on Takeoff. He unfortunately took his own life like a couple of weeks after this came out. Holy shit! So yeah, he wasn't corny for anything. No, he was also in a wheelchair. I don't know how horny he, he got often, but he was, you know, he was a he was a sad man that was in an unfortunate accident that took the use of his legs and a lot of the use of his hands, which led to a very like interesting guitar style. Yeah, I was gonna say actually, I really like how he's playing the guitar. This was. Like I, so I actually I've been I was hanging out with a friend recently who uh, she's much younger than me, and she's just finishing up college. Danya. And we're yeah we're discussing like live like what life is like in college. And I was like I really didn't do anything at all. And she's like you didn't go to parties. Like no, I really just like worked at a record store, took home whatever free music they had, and then bought whatever movies and music I wanted, and then just sat there and did this. But that ends up with, like, I was 19 years old, saw this weird drawing for an album cover, and I was like, I wonder what this is. And I then, really like the cover. Yeah. yeah, it's haunting, it's yeah. upsetting, and it is, like, it's just deeply, deeply sad. I remember you introduced me to Vic Chestnut. At some point, we were just like, I don't know. We were just like maybe it was after a show. We were just messaging about music, and we were talking about sad music. And you're like, oh, well, this is a plus sad music. I'm like, oh this yeah, this is my favorite <laughs> sad music, and it's so good. I was like, I was really. I think it was probably because David Berman had just killed himself, and I was like just discovering Silver Jews. Mm-hmm. So that's so this was like last year, then, right? Or yeah, Joe and I only met like 2019. Oh, okay. Yeah, like huh, I never maybe 2018. 2018 is when I got back from the road, so we probably met at some point. Between. Yeah, but I, I didn't do a lot of pick aside stupid till. Probably honest, 2019, man. 
Yeah, that sounds that sounds right. I hated going to Quincy. Yeah. It's fair. It's fair. That's fair. Man, I had to take the red line almost all the way. Oof. It sucks. I Damn. Before I moved to Bus, I was still living at my parents' house and working. When I first got back, I was working at the Museum of Fine Arts, so I would have to take the like entirety of the red line. Like I'd park in Braintree and have to just take that like at like six in the morning just to get to like open up the museum. Ugh, I hate the red line. No. I don't know. Red line. It's just. Line? It, it's actually not as bad a line as other lines, but I. It is just well, filled it, with rough memories of commuting. But the 2019, 2019, it got worse because that was when right. the trains and they all started derailing. Holy shit! Yeah. So oh, yeah, you'd they have just to take like shuttles. The wrong. Yeah, they bought the wrong size trains. Wow, it's insane. That's a fuck up. They, they bought like that's they bought model trains up. by accident. No, yeah. Oh no, my god! Could... I thought it was a thumbnail. <laughs> this is actual size. No, we can make it work. We can make it work. Man, and the orange line was a fucking nightmare. I used when I used to do dinner theater. <laughs> it would not take you. I couldn't go all the way to Sullivan Square to get there. No, I yeah. I couldn't get from North Station to Sullivan Square to get to work, and then I couldn't take the bus. I couldn't take a train back to get home. It was like no stations were open, so it was always in a, like a bus and a car ride. Ugh. Wow, Fuck Boston. Boston, is, Boston sounds crazy. They need to figure out that. Why don't they Let's just not take travel the there. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have public transportation. Why don't they just take their four month vacation and figure it out? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Must be nice. Uh, um, I love all this. I don't think we've mentioned um, the fact that we, for some reason, are getting tons of downloads in Germany, and we're not really sure why. But we, we like appreciate it. it we do we like you. it. But we do yeah. love it. And hi, Germany. Guten Tag. Uh, but for everyone else wondering why we're doing all these riffs with a German accent, that's why. Wie mich du miserable Hollenzone. Yeah. <laughs> Streckhaus, Streisenheisen, Gelachten. I know what you're referencing, you dirty dog. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Mach er sehr schnell. Rein und raus, ecke der Schwein. It's a very dirty Zappa song that's in German. Ecke der Spitz Feier. Spritz. Heiberg'n leckt on dich der Sofa. Wow, you actually got that down, Alan. That's pretty good. I think that's all of the lines I know. Okay, Joe, let's talk about your pick for this week. So this um, this artist, uh, Aruj Aftab, is Pakistani-born, living in New York. Uh, she's kind of she went to Berkeley, so she's got a, a, a local connection. She just dropped her third album. I don't know if the second one's an EP or not, but third third album, maybe second full length. This is her first album, but it just dropped, I think, like last week or the week before. It's really beautiful. She's got an incredible voice, which you can't hear yet, but she's really cool, and it felt fitting because it's very meditative. She, like, hmm. blends traditional Pakistani music with her jazz background a classical and then um i i almost picked on her new album there's a song there's one song that has a reggae beat 
but I just mm. felt like it was too on the nose for me to pick the one <laughs> reggae song she does. It is really beautiful and incredible, but this song is off her first album, and the breakdown is like jazz. Mac and Dana. Is hmm? j- gonna plug that Mac in. I know, I don't have... It's just like jazz drumming over while like the kind of um, Sufi drone still is happening and it's um, yeah the breakdown is like one of the coolest things I've ever heard of uh, like Eastern Western musical fusion. Um, very interesting and I, I don't really know a lot I feel like a lot of my like knowledge of um, sort of more Eastern music is like a lot older it seems like this is pretty new yeah this uh, yeah this is from a couple years ago it looks like I don't remember it looks like 2015 but her newest album is called Vulture Prince and it's really good it's just the songs are longer so I didn't think it'd be good for this section <laughs> but I can't recommend that album enough it sounds great. It's I really like it. But it's so cool. Can I say that Dana's battery is about to die and she didn't have it. her charger? And it has been like an emotional uh, moment in a movie with this song playing, <laughs> watching Dana's low battery, and I'm waiting to see if, if Sean brings the charger in time. I was like, I might have to just like, dip out for a second and go grab it. Can you imagine okay. if it just shut down? This is the moment where like the the drumming with is the coolest. Oh, I thought you were talking about like in our fake movie where oh. I really need to get my charger. And I was really like, I was actually like doing, I was like listening to this like while I was like going to bed, just kind of zoning out. And then this happened, I'm like, I like sat up. I'm like, this is so cool. <laughs> What's going on? That's a great pick, Joe. I really like this. Yeah, How, um, I'm sorry, is it Aruj Aftab? I believe so. I don't want to say that I I'm know, right. Yeah, Aruj Aftab, we'll say. I'm not going to go for it. Bird underwater. I mean, I'm not going to go for the name. I'm not going to try to say it. I am no, going to go for this music and listen to it. Please. That's probably a good idea. Joe, I'm going to go for it. Go Joe, for I'll it. take it. All right. So um, I'm glad that you guys like enjoyed this the record, uh, Expanding Universe, and that we were able to get a little uh, weird once again and spiritual. I swear I don't. Like, I have a lot of fun with... I listen to more Grateful Dead and fucking Fish music than anything in the world, so yeah, most of the time I'm... Thank you for keeping it to yourself. <laughs> not, not for long. Not for long, you guys. I like Just the wait. idea that you feel like you you can't <laughs> be spiritual and high-minded. Like, no, no, guys, I promise I'm trash. I promise. <laughs> yeah, I'm the one that can't be spiritual and high-minded. Not true. Because I'm trash. <laughs> I, my Maybe brain doesn't true. go there. That part's true. All right. Trash can. Um, what are we? Oh. You got the next pick, right? That was so that close true? to something awful. We call me trash can. <laughs> well, we were talking about the stand earlier, and there's a character trash can man who is not a nice thing. All right, trash can man. M O O N. That spells. What's next? <laughs> well. <laughs> My laws. I was thinking to myself, what would be uh, a fun album to do next? And uh, this album got me thinking 
about synth music and my joy of it. And I was thinking to myself, you know, beyond like, like what was like a big like synth moment for me in loving this? And so I thought I would choose an album to do next that is what got me really into exploring not just uh, synth music and electronic funk music, but also Nigerian music. And I figured we could do William Onyabor, uh, World Psychedelic Classic 5, who is William Onyabor. Great uh, one. Which is weird because it is, it's going to be our first greatest hit. But uh, this is, this was for a while, like, the only accessible William Onyabor. And I'm saying it kind of wrong. It's like William Onyabor. 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 It's like on Yaboard. On Yaboard. Yeah. Oh my gosh, what a great record. Well, I this, like, don't know this. We, I'm so excited. We got this <gasps> album at the store. The cover is just that that guy with the suit and the cowboy hat, and it just says, Who is, who is William on Yaboard? And I didn't know, and I had to find out. And next <laughs> week, we'll all find out together, too. Great one. I'm so excited for this one. What an awesome Thanks for awesome playing that pump-up music behind it. That worked really well. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. It's and you such... actually, you got me into William Onyabar back oh, really? in the day, too. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I bought this album and then just kept going up to everyone in the store like, We gotta put this on! <laughs> yeah. She's got a great ass! <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite Al Pacino line. <laughs> She's got a... <laughs> my girlfriend my girlfriend has told me many times like you need to stop doing an Al Pacino impression like <laughs> should we wait a go minute out, wait a minute wait a minute <laughs> should we go out of this episode playing the a Dunkachino uh, ad <laughs> what? pardon oh look up Dunkachino Al Pacino oh. you guys have never seen this no but I'm ready Wow! All right, see everybody. I'll see y'all next week. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. What's my name? Dunkachino. It's a whole new game. Dunkachino. You want creamy goodness? I'm your friend. Say hello to my chocolate blend. Attica, Kuwa, Lucky Light. This whole trial is out of sight. They pull me back in with hazelnut too. Caramel swirl. I know it was you. Everyone wants my Dunkachino. Can't get enough of my Dunkachino. Kids from 7th to 17 lining up for my Dunkachino. What's my name? <laughs> Dunkachino. Dunka, 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 Dunkachino. And boom, there you have it. It's so there we go. <laughs> This has been brought to you by Dead and Mellow. Follow us on all your social media platforms and shop around at deadandmellow.com to see all of our stand-up, music, and podcast releases. Thank you, and God bless America. All right, see you later. See Are you we guys. actually leaving or just that dig?